0: Hi, I'm Dominic
1: Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today we have a special Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings episode for you as we speak to both lead actor Simu Liu and director Destin Daniel Crenton. We'll also talk about this massive release date change situation going on with Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible 7, as well as the new DC fandom schedule. So, I mean, let's, let's just kick off to this. I mean, look,
0: um, we have the interviews you're going to hear, there's something to hear, so you better stay, stay around. But honestly, are you going to stay around? Is anyone going to stay around for a Hollywood that doesn't seem to know when it's putting out movies or not? I mean, these are
1: huge movies that are being pushed back again. My take, well, first of all, Paramount needs these films to work as billion-dollar grossing films especially for Tom Cruise. There's a few things going on here. First of all, Tom Cruise, I don't think, feels comfortable enough to tour the world during a global pandemic. And how could you blame a star like that? Um, The other thing is, is the rest of the overseas, even though Shang-Chi is supposed to put up a record Labor Day opening this coming weekend with possibly 50 million domestic, the problem is overseas. And with these movies, you need this huge $3,000,000 type of global opening. And that's very hard to achieve in this climate right but what
0: now. But what I feel is happening here is everybody is holding to the old ways. And I know everyone has heard you guys write in about this when I talk about this. But like, honestly, Paramount has this thing called Paramount Plus. And I... Honestly, like you guys can keep pushing these movies back and back. And they're, yeah, eventually they'll do something. But you're assuming a world is coming where people are going into theaters and where people are going to be free of COVID. And as the Delta variant has shown us, this thing has a lot of different life forms and a lot of different manipulations. I feel like hoping that there's a return to normal is ignoring that normal has left the building. Like
1: the movie theaters have. Like well,
0: that is not where we're gonna be eventually. We are like
1: Siskel and Ebert disagreeing on this. I love this. No,
0: I I give this, I don't give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I give it a like a like a hang 10, buddy. Like, because honestly, the 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 path and the route is there. And what's happening with these movie theaters. And, and these movies, they have this massive stuff like what you did, you saw at CinemaCon the other week and we talked about, and then it's like, yeah, but we're parking it down here and we're moving Ghostbusters here and who knows what's gonna happen with the Venom sequel. It's just, it, it's, look, I think that people just have to understand this is a time that we're going through of both seismic change in the industry and a global health pandemic simultaneously. And what I think needs to be recognized is there are avenues for this. They are not the ones that everyone has been conventional about for the past hundred and some odd years, but you know what? Neither was streaming, neither was VCRs, neither was cassettes or eight tracks. Get with the future pal, it's here. Having said all that, (laughs) the future is also here with DC fandom, which is basically Let's be clear. Warner Media are setting up their own Comic-Con, and they've got enough big names that they can do it. But this thing
1: is virtual again. So a- yeah. on that level, they're acknowledging reality. I can't wait for it to be live. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Look, they put on a great show in Hall H in San Diego uh, when they marched out the whole Justice League with Ben Affleck and Jason Momoa and all that. For I can't wait to mean? see this stuff. I just can't wait to see where they do it live. Is it gonna be in Burbank, where Disney does D23? Um, and you know it'll be, it'll be interesting, you know, they've got new stuff to show off. Uh, we'll see some more Batman. We'll see uh, We'll finally see some footage from Black Adam and the Shazam part 2. I, look, I thought what they put together last year during the pandemic was great. And entertaining far more entertaining than comic-con and i expect the same from them this year
0: yeah i mean
1: but i also think too besides the the the
0: pandemic consequences of all this we're seeing it with 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 disney with d23 we're seeing it with dc fandom i'm not saying people are abandoning comic-con but i think they're creating a third way And the third way is one in which they control it as opposed to the Comic-Con organizers and and bureaucrats and in which they can market exactly how they want to market direct into the main vein of their fans. So that's where that's at. And with that, welcome to the Marvel Universe phase, I don't know, 27 at this point. What Anthony has already said will probably be a Labor Day weekend bonanza. Okay, and now, as we as we teased earlier, we have something we've never done before on the Hero Nation podcast, which is we've got a two-for-one, and that two-for-one comes out of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, big Marvel movie, lots going on, historical representation. So, who are we going to talk to, Anthony? If we're going to go large, we're going to go with? The lead actor, Simu Liu. All right, so I want to start right away by saying greetings to a fellow Canadian. yes. Uh- uh- Always a big believer. Let me point out: co-creator of Superman, Canadian; Wolverine, Canadian; James Cameron, Canadian, and now the next Marvel superstar, Canadian. Welcome for be Thank you for being with us. Justin Bieber, Canadian. Ryan. Nah, Weather, doesn't count. The weekend, <laughs> Canadian. We can go count on and on. My friend Neil are- Young, Canadian,
1: but we're not- got- Neil Young's <laughs> you a superhero, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the McKenzie brothers, wait great, a second, sorry.
2: Superhero? They're all superheroes in their own right, whether it's superheroes in real estate or superheroes in music. I mean, it's all, it, I don't well, know.
0: Let's don't talk know. about superheroes on the big screen coming coming uh, in just in a couple of weeks. Obviously this movie is a huge part of the evolution of Marvel, but let's mm-hmm. also be honest. It's a huge part of the evolution of representation. And it's a, certainly a part of showing new faces, new stories and new approaches. I know that that's been very important to you. And I wanna know as we're on literally the eve of the, uh, of the movie debuting, how mm-hmm. you're feeling about that and how you're feeling about how it's gonna be, um, how this is gonna be accepted by people.
2: I feel really incredible uh truly truly very honored to be in this position we've had the privilege of screening the movie now in front of some audiences not not everyone but but we you know people have seen it people are starting to react to it and I think um you know we've always known we've always approached this story with an amount of care um you know befitting of of something that is as historically significant as it is right but uh you know it's still one another thing altogether to have the validation of of you know audiences not just asian audiences not just asian american audiences but you know everybody it truly feels like we we made something that that is deeply resonant with with just people in general and and i think that's One of the strengths, you know, that's one of the most important things about this movie. Aside too from the fact that, of course, we have some of the most incredible action sequences out of any movie in the MCU. I I hope that you would agree, and not that I'm a little competitive or anything like that. But um, you know what?
0: We we have zero problem on Hero Nation with people being competitive. So if you have any, (laughs) you should leave the humility gene back on that one.
2: (laughs) Best action sequences in the the MCU. Seriously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, truly, it, it is such an incredible moment. And it means that, you know, kids growing up today will have what I what I never did growing up, um, which is somebody to somebody who, you know, across that screen reflects who they are and is able to show them what is what is possible and um, what is possible if you're a superhero is literally anything. So that's pretty awesome.
1: In the epilogue, we always can look forward to an epilogue at the end of a uh, of an MCU movie. Yeah, yeah. How do you see Shang-Chi being connected to the larger Marvel universe going forward? Um,
2: I mean, we're going to have to do a little bit of tiptoeing here, but I'm right there with you. Um, There is definitely a post-credit sequence. I don't think it's spoilery at all to to reveal that. I mean, obviously, it's a Marvel movie. Um, Multiverse? um, Oh, Anthony, don't make him do that. (laughs) <laughs> I you're killing me here, man. No, uh. No. I will say I had I had so much fun shooting that that first scene. Um, because there is something that's said during one of those scenes. And 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 you know, if you've seen the movie as you have, yeah. you'll know what it is. Where, you know, I felt like, you know, based on who was saying it and just the the what was happening at the time as we were filming, just staring into this person's eyes as they were saying it to me, it felt like you know, Shang-Chi was hearing, but it also felt like Simu was hearing it. No. And it was just, a, I, I felt the chills go up my spine, even just as I'm recalling it. But uh, it, it was truly like an incredible moment for me to shoot that, that post credit scene. So I, I hope that people love it. And, and it does, you know, it does give a little, a little tiny, teeny, tiny, tiny microscopic hint at uh, what's to come.
0: They're going to love it. Uh, tr- trust me, we, we we know what this is. We all speaking in code. A lot of love is going to happen there. A lot of love. But one yeah. of the things I want to get a sense of is you, you've talked about this. You know, a lot of people knew you pr- previously or people did know you previously from Kim's Convenience up in the our wonderful in the Great White North, uh, mm-hmm. praise be. But um, this is obviously a huge leap for you professionally and in many other ways. I'm sure you've been asked to tell the story too many times, but we really do want to hear it. How did you make this leap, brother?
2: Um, uh, I appreciate that, but but I will never get tired of telling the story. Um, I mean, <laughs> I was asked to audition for this movie, untitled Marvel project. You know, they never reveal what it is. They give you scenes from a totally different movie, but I mean, we all knew what it was. We knew. Okay, can I just stop now. you there?
0: What yes. was the other movie they gave you scenes from?
2: Goodwill Hunting. Oh. <laughs> goodwill hunting which um, was also made in toronto i might add it was shot parts of it were shot in toronto uh, on on our univer- beautiful university of toronto campus look leave it to canadians to always know what like who in the entertainment industry is canadian what movies were shot in canada i'm like a walking encyclopedia for that stuff too so i know all of my friends get so annoyed with me whenever i'm okay like, i have a question i have a question for you trivia pursuit question go fourth largest canadian city in the world fourth largest Canadian city in the world. Um, So you have Toronto, Vancouver. It's a trick question. Really? It's LA. Wow. Yeah,
0: after Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, LA has more Canadians than any other city in Canada or any other city in the world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But we will fly the Maple Leaf more a bit later. We wanna hear about the story because it's a great story. And I think it's a story that really shows people that you can really, you know, like don't let anything get in your way.
2: I mean, yeah. I uh, so yeah. I, I'd heard about this movie. I tweeted about it, as you probably know. I was like, "Hey, Marvel, let's talk." And and of course, no part of me actually thought that I would. I was actually gonna get the role, but uh, but the audition did come. Uh, sent in a, a you know a self tape with with two scenes from Goodwill Hunting. And just kind of, you know, as you do when you're an actor, you you know, who, when you send in self-tapes, you just kind of forget about it. Because if you let yourself get carried away by every single self-tape that you audition for, um, you're just going to set yourself up for a lifetime of disappointment. So, you know, you, you do the tape, you do the best job you possibly can, and then you send it off into the ether and you pretend like you never did it. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And I was very surprised when a few weeks later... Uh, my manager called and was like, you got to get you got to get your butt down to L.A. Uh, you know, Destin, the director wants to meet you. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to do a callback. So I uh, did a callback in L.A., went great, starting to feel the nerves now. Butterflies are building in my stomach because, you know, when you don't have a chance, it's like it's like when you're dating, like you, if you feel like you don't have a shot in a million years, it, it almost like frees you. But then the moment you kind of feel like, oh, my God, something might happen here, you start getting really nervous. And uh, that's exactly what happened with me. Um, I got invited to screen test in Brooklyn, so I flew there over the weekend. And uh, two days later, uh, on a Tuesday evening, uh, was 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 called by Kevin Feige, and um, you know who knows how many lives he's changed with a phone call. But uh, I was just the latest one, and uh, he called to tell me that he that I had I had gotten the role, and that four days later I would be flying to San Diego to introduce myself in front of. 8000 yeah. fans at Comic-Con and then and then he said this is so important that you do not tell anyone do not tell your parents do not tell your friends this is critical that we keep this thing a total secret and I said no problem Kevin you can count on me trust me i got this nobody will know and then i hung up and then i immediately called my best friend you can't <laughs> you don't, you don't keep a secret like that you just you just can't so simu this is tracking
1: to be the biggest labor day opening of all time already Right now it's at 45 million, which would top Halloween before it. I think it's going to be even higher coming away from that premiere the other night. Just the wattage of it is so loud. Look, you were, you, you, you had some words to the CEO of Disney on social media. I don't want to put you on the spot, but have you spoken to Bob Chapek? And frankly, 45 day theatrical I would have it no other way. I think this is great. Exclusive theatrical release. End of story.
2: You know, I feel like a lot of headlines took took a narrative and and warped it into something that was like talent versus studio. And I think it may, may have been informed by other things that, that were in the news. But uh, I really... I, I, I think I tweeted what I did because of what I was reading on the trades more than anything. I just, you know, was reading, you know, a lot of uncertainty, and, and I think it was just, I, I wanted to reclaim the narrative and, and share with the world how fired up I was um, Amen. about this movie. And yeah. and that's what I wanted to, and and that's, by the way, how Bob feels, how Kevin feels, how everybody at Disney feels. We are all so incredibly fired up, and I think when you saw just how big that premiere was and how much just you know frankly how much money had been thrown into an event like that i think it's it's it really showed you the confidence level of the studio and you know the fact that we're continuing to have fan screenings and we're you know just really so eager to get people's impressions because we want the word of mouth to travel we want people who have seen the movie like yourselves to be talking about how much they enjoyed it and how much fun they had and how great the action sequences were
1: John Chu was sitting two seats away from me, and it was so awesome that he was there. Um, I mean, gra- fanboys are going to take their grandparents to
2: see this. My God, my God, that that is an incredible feeling. I mean, I, I there's always something special with being able to share these moments with family. And I remember, you know, my parents were in the SUV with me right when we turned onto Hollywood Boulevard, and we saw just how big it was and by the way you know uh, th- this is my first rodeo you know i have never not gonna been be your last, brother. the not hollywood gonna be your last. machine in any way and uh just driving through the hundreds of fans some of whom had taken it upon themselves to reverse engineer my costume in the movie and to just like make it themselves, I it, essentially movie quality. Yeah. I mean, I was just totally taken aback, and I was—it was just such an incredible moment to share with my parents, and and I could I could kind of see in their eyes how proud they were of me, although they would never, they would never say it out loud. Could, but, can we uh, just
0: talk about something related to that for a second? Obviously, yes, um,
2: obviously the movie is a global release.
0: -hmm. It should be, and it's a movie that reaches around the globe in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also want to say, no spoiler to this. One of my favorite people in Hollywood, Mr. Benedict Wong, is in it, which is always wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we yet to have a release date for China. Um, And how? What are your feelings about that? Because obviously, to talk about family, that's China is where your family comes from. So, what does it mean to you to be playing this role when and if this is eventually released in China?
2: I think the movie is such a celebration of of our culture, and um, you know, if I, I just I just can't wait for everybody all over the world to see it. And and you know, any specifics about release dates are are probably above my personal pay grade. But I, it's uh, it's certainly my hope that uh, you know my grandmother who lives in Beijing will be able to see it. Um, my my aunt and my cousin who you know just recently gave birth to a, a beautiful baby girl. That, that they can see it and you know play with the Shanshi action figures and and also just hear the the beautiful dialogue and, and poetry of our movies some of which uh, a good chunk of which uh, is in Mandarin and um, yeah I, I think nothing would make me happier
0: okay you I, I have one last question I know Anthony's chewing at the bit but I have to ask this question Go. what does it feel like to have your own action figure <laughs> it, it
2: it brings and do you new play. Meaning. With it? It brings new meaning to the term playing with yourself. Oh, no, uh-huh. That's terrible. Um, it, it, it's pretty incredible. And I've got like more than a couple, you know, I've got one. Oh my God,
0: you got a collection?
2: I've got one with the articulated, like the points of articulation and like the different hands that you can switch out. I've got like the Funko Pop bobbleheads. I've got like this one guy that twirls a, a staff around. And I've got this other guy with like leg kicking action.
0: I, I have a, I have a friend like- who's a, quite a well-known author. And he has in his study, he has uh, editions of his book from all over the world. So yeah. he has his book in Arabic. He has his book in Mandarin. He has his book in Russia, the stuff like that. Is that something you would consider doing a full world merchandise collection for yourself?
2: Um, as long as nobody ever sees it and judges me for it, I would be happy to. I mean, I, mean, I mean, like, I don't want people to think that I'm like a narcissist and obsessed with myself. But then the thing is like, if you had an action figure of yourself, you would want it, right? Like Dude, I'm not. I crazy. had someone
0: make I had a friend yeah. make me one as a treat once. I asked for another.
2: <laughs> like <laughs> that's amazing. Want it? That's amazing. The first action figure that I actually ever got, my my one of my best friends in the world, Peter, from back home in Toronto. Uh, for my like 28th birthday, he made this custom bobblehead of my character from Kim's Convenience. And it was like (laughs) accurate to like the beauty marks on my face and the tattoos that my character had. It was like, it was such an emotional moment. So, I mean, not only can I not wait for me personally to get my hands on all of the action figures, I can't wait for everybody to be able to share in them and enjoy them and play with them and just exist with them. You know, it's just such an exciting time. Timulu, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A pleasure.
1: And now here's part two of our interview for Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings with filmmaker Destin Daniel Krent.
0: What I have to ask you right away because it's such a huge part of the movie, but I have to, as someone who grew up on Bruce Lee, grew up and worshiped Bruce Lee movies, the action sequences are amazing. Oh. and I just wanted to get a sense, and I guess we've asked this to people before, we've spoken to, but obviously, with the, over the last year and a half with the pandemic people had to work around a lot of this stuff, how they could do things. Was that, was that something that affected you guys? And how did you work around it? If so?
3: We, yes, everything changed once the pandemic hit. I I think in a lot of ways, our, our movie was um, at the forefront of having to quickly make the decisions necessary in order to keep moving. And it was, it was, it was a lot of adaptation, a lot of, re- I mean, like all of us, everyone is going through this, no matter what industry you're in, but I, I feel really lucky to have been part of a studio who gave us the support we needed to do everything safely and, and move through it and still somehow make our days and make some, some pretty extraordinary uh, uh, fight sequences.
1: Destin, it's more than a martial arts film, it's more than an MCU movie. Hey, hey,
0: don't put down martial arts films.
1: Let's no, no, but that. it's more than that. It's so much more. The um there's a great love letter here to Chinese mythology. Can you talk about that?
3: All all of it um really was a was a part of our conversation and our our mood boards early on. That that we we wanted this Um, to really feel like a celebration of the the rich history of martial arts films and and the the rich history of of Chinese culture while also remembering that it is an MCU movie um, and that there is a rich history there that we wanted to be a part of Um, so all all of it was just a really fun playground to work with to be honest
0: you know Destin I I remember seeing I am not a hipster back at Sundance like I want to say a zillion years ago but I think it was 10. Deep, deep cut, deep um, and, cut. and I for you, you know, you've had your career trajectory has been unconventional to some degree. I mean you you've done many different things in your life and and you came to film sort of not not as a side gig, but it was it was something you 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 worked into looking back over your over your career, what does it mean to you to be a part of the Marvel universe now, the Disney empire and making this film that, you know, let's be very clear, is a historic film in terms of its representation, in terms of its scope, and in terms of what it's going to mean to millions of people over the world who are going to see themselves reflected in a way that perhaps they have not seen, certainly in the Marvel
3: universe. Um, I mean, I typically try not to think about those (laughs) kinds of things. Um, I mean, one one thing I think is particularly like, you know, going going through the the process of making short films and and then doing small indies and um trying to get into festivals getting a thousand rejections before you get any any uh, nods from anybody Uh, the the emotional ups and downs of of uh filmmaking is is something that i think indie filmmakers get used to really quickly and we to to me all, all the you know, that the the hype and the big the big stuff also comes with the low and the and the not so great parts of, of the emotional ride. And and learning to to try to stay in the middle and just focus on the work is is what has helped me keep working. And I I just feel really lucky to have to be working um, on things that I really love. And this movie is something that is so close to me in so many ways it was such a cathartic experience to to explore this story for the amount of time that i did um and i i just feel really grateful
1: quite often when directors go up for a marvel movie job they create a sizzle reel just to to tell kevin and his team hey this is what i think the movie is going to look like did you assemble a sizzle reel and if so what what did you put in it? What insp- what cinematic inspirations?
3: Um, yeah, I did a I did a bit of a uh, PowerPoint presentation that was um, had a had a lot of movie clips into that PowerPoint presentation, um, and they were. Truthfully, it was it was a. I did not think I was going to get this job off off of off of what I did because I I just decided to do to go for exactly the type of movie that I wanted to to make. Um, so I I was referencing movies like Goodwill Hunting in my um, in my sizzle reel. Of course. Okay, I'll, I have to I have to stop you. Yes. Because clearly, you know, you're leading man.
0: Red scenes from *Goodwill Hunting* to get into your movie. Yeah, I know. I
3: gave him those scenes.
0: <laughs> ah, okay. So, is there *Goodwill Hunting* Easter
3: eggs in the film? Um, I mean, th- th- there are no. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think there's, there's no apples. I don't think. No, no, no. I, um, I don't think there's any Easter eggs. But I don't know. Tell me if you find any. Um, will, but I but, we'll but I do think you'll. Stuff. I do do think you'll see. You know that you'll see the loose inspiration that comes from that that character who is hiding a lot, of, a lot of stuff inside that he is not able to deal with, that's keeping him from, his, um, from reaching his full potential and he's covering it up with a lot of humor and a lot of charisma. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of the, the root of the Shang-Chi character.
1: The shorthand between Aquafina and Simu was great. I mean, it's a very, very funny movie. Was that, I mean, was that all organic? Or did they just bring it, or were you planning that?
3: I mean, we were hoping they'd bring it. Yeah, we we're plan- we we're planning on <laughs> bringing it. Um, uh, no, I- I- Aquafina was the the first um, one of the first or the first uh, casting choice that we that we brought on, and um, we we knew that she would really help to elevate our Shang-Chi character and and in a lot of ways that that relationship between the two of them, not just the humor, but the real care that they have for each other as friends um, is, is the, the heart of our movie.
0: You know, there's a lot of discussion when the movie was announced um, about some of the, the, the issues that were in the original comics, some of the characters, how perhaps they have not stood the test of time to put it mildly. Um, and clearly you guys were very sensitive to that and you were very aware of it and you made a film that in many ways, at least I will say in terms of legacy and culture, flipped the sc- script, not giving too much away, but I think people get it if they know the comics. Um, can you give us a little bit of a sense of how, how that process developed and what you wanted to do to make, a, to make your film that was a film for now, as opposed to an adaptation of the comics?
3: A lot of our creative process came from our personal experience. Dave Callahan, who's Chinese American, was um, uh, one of our, our, my co-screenwriters. And um, I, I grew up in Hawaii and we, a lot of our writing process was initially uh, talking about our personal experience growing up. Um, and talking about what our personal response was to, to reading the comics, which parts we we liked and which parts we did feel like needed a revamp. Um, and, and we wanted to create something that we'd all be proud of, not only the Chinese community, the Chinese American community and the Asian American community, but everybody, that we could all be proud of this, this uh, new character Entering the MCU and this new these new worlds that are opening up, that it would all be something that is relatable to, to everybody who sees it.
1: What jumped out in when Simu submitted his tape? What jumped out at you that made you say, "This is the guy, this is my Shang Chi."
3: Um, well, he did do a backflip, which was cool. Um, Backflips are cool, but, but <laughs> that that honestly was that was was not the thing that. that that drew us to him. It was it, it. and
0: you clearly have a very high standard because any audition day with a black backflip is clearly the guy.
3: <laughs> he wasn't yeah. the he wasn't the only backflip that we saw in our. You have multiple backflippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, was his uh, okay? Quick question though. Was his yeah. the best of the uh, backflips? Yeah, he's great at doing backflips. He, he is. He is extremely physical. A very fast learner. He was. And he worked his butt off to get to the place where, where we needed him to do to do the, the the stunts and martial arts that that uh, we needed him to do in the movie. But that's not why we hired him. Like we hired him because when we would share his audition with normal people, they related to him. They felt like he was real, authentic. He had charm and charisma, and he he just felt like the guy. Um, and and really the guy that we needed who would who would shatter the stereotypes that we were we were trying to steer away from.
1: Destin, thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you, sir. We you really appreciate great. it. You guys have a great back and forth.
0: It's fun. Oh, thank you. So thank you for listening to what we would actually term today a special episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Now make sure you, before, as you're going out to see movies and what have you and watching, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify
1: so you never miss a Hero Nation episode. You can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com.
0: Take care.